This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock, and we, we tell you the way what, what you don't hear on other channels. In the studio with us with today, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Congressman Peter King. And on my right, my sidekick here, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, we have some great uh, stuff today. I understand we're going to be have some revelations, revelations, and there'll be breaking news on dangers of living in a city, not from crime. From those 5G antennas that are going to be aimed at your windows. Mm. And so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, I understand we have one of our... uh, We have Bill O'Reilly on the line. He is a journalist. He's an author. He's a TV and radio host. He has his show here on on WABC Radio Monday through Friday. Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly and his latest book in his killing series, Killing the Legends. And it talks about Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali. Just about 20 million books sold thus far. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Bill O'Reilly. How are you guys doing? Best of the season to you all. Well, it's the season to be jolly. And uh, let me tell you something. Uh, good riddance to 2022, and I hope 2023 is better for all of us. You know, I uh, echo that sentiment. And, um, you know, I'm here and trying to figure out what we're going to be doing in 23. And I think we're going to be tied up with uh, congressional hearings on the FBI Twitter and uh, Joe and Hunter Biden. I think those are going to be the big stars in the first quarter of 23. And, and uh, I mean, Kevin McCarthy, uh, we believe he's going to be the majority leader. I mean, speaker. Uh, speaker. Uh, speaker. Um, uh, well, what, what do you feel? I don't care. doesn't matter. Um, Jim Jordan is going to run the Judiciary Committee. And he's going to wreak havoc, um, believe me, going to go in, um, <laughs> particularly with this FBI Twitter thing. And then uh, Comer in Kentucky, uh, the congressman there, running oversight, he's going to get into, wrote a big op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about um, this connection between father-son Bidens. So those stories are going to dominate, um, and we're going to be, I think, pretty in- shocked at what we uh, start to find out, particularly about the FBI and Twitter. That is going to be really something. Well, one of the Twitter things that I looked at over the weekend was that FBI agent in San Francisco where he's admitting that some his boss, whoever that was uh, from Washington, ordered him to be calling the uh, the media companies and uh, telling them to double check this and this and this. Well, I think it's beyond that. I think what we're going to find out um, is that Twitter, um, we already know that it was a leftist organization based upon their political donations to the Democratic Party. I do that tonight at nine o'clock 
run down, um, 97% of all Twitter employees donated to uh, Democrats. Mm-hmm. We can't find any Republican donations. So it's an activist group. And then if the FBI were going so in between there, Twitter and Facebook, Facebook yeah. is spending four hundred million dollars in the election. Between Absolutely. those two organizations, they had to make a difference in the uh, election. Election interference. And Google. Right. And Google. Mm-hmm. So if you're basically looking at the combined power of all the social media companies working to get Joe Biden elected. If there no. before happened in America, I don't think most people even understand the implications of it. But the FBI, that if, if that mm. is shown that they were going in advising Twitter on what to post and what not to post, including President Trump, um, that's a huge. Well, huge let, let's put it this way. It's probably certain agents at certain positions in Washington making those phone calls, because I still believe the FBI is ninety nine point nine percent. Honest. The, uh, the regular agents are honest, but the politically ones that are politically active uh, with uh, uh, the ones in charge, Department of Justice, Maybe. whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I would say starting with Jim Comey. Mm-hmm. He, he created that, okay. that attitude. Comey I think. And, uh, the, and that other guy. I think down the line, Andrew McCabe and uh, you know, and now Director Ray. Yeah, you know, the two lovebirds and everything else. But I mean, that's uh, yeah, Ray. I don't know what's happening with Ray, Bill. Maybe you have a better idea. Well, he just seems to have dropped the ball altogether. He wants to keep his job. Mm. What's so, more important, honesty and integrity or your, your damn job? Well, I think for many in Washington and the swamp, it's the job. Money. That's horrible. But, you you know, know? Ray, Ray can't go rogue and then turn on Biden or he'd be fired. Biden, he, he serves at Biden's behest. Now, Ray was appointed by Trump. Um, but here's, here's the irony of this whole thing. Well, 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 an FBI agent, I need clarification, has a 10-year term. And they're given a 10-year term so he could be honesty and integrity. I, I mean, he could be, be fired, but, you know, you, if you stand up and say, look, the X, Y, and Z, it's hard to fire him. Uh, if Ray turned on Biden, I think he'd find himself out the door. Um, my opinion, I can't base it on any facts, but what I can base on facts is this. When you have a situation where the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world looks like at this juncture, it participated in trying to destroy Donald Trump. That's unprecedented. It's a historical story. We already know the Russian collusion stuff. The right-wingers have gone over that 10,000 times on how the FBI used phony um, stuff to get warrants to spy Mm -hmm. on the Trump campaign. That's true. That's absolutely disgraceful, Bill. You're right. I was involved in that somewhat in the Intelligence Committee and what the FBI did and the CIA, all of them. You were there. Peter King, you were there. It was terrible. Right. But that's true. What about the 51? Now we have an accusation coming from Musk, the new boss of Twitter that there were regular meetings, weekly meetings between the FBI and Twitter officials to squelch the Hunter Biden story and others. So you combine the two and you're, you're looking at see the, the mistake that Trump made that hurt him and the country, by the way, was that he got hysterical after he lost 
and started blaming voting machines and, you know, people counting under tables, all this stuff that he couldn't prove. That's right. But the real scandal that looks like it's coming into focus here is very powerful entities in Washington, including the FBI, were working on behalf of Joe Biden. Conspired against him. And, you know, this voting machine thing, $1.6 billion lawsuit filed against Fox News. And this is another story that's underreported. This could crush Fox News. And I'm going to make a bold statement on Cats at Night. Am I allowed to do that? Can I make a bold statement? Absolutely, you're allowed to make a bold statement. All right, here we go. If I were at Fox News when the election of 2020 happened, the voting machines and all of that, that never would have happened. Never in a million years would Fox News have done what it did about the voting machines and all of the other unproven allegations. It would not have done it. And I can go into better detail if you want, but I was as powerful as you can come at 8 o'clock on the O'Reilly Factor. You were number one. By far. And that would never have happened because I, on my program, would have used the forum to say, hold it. What do you got to back it up? Now, the fact that that did not happen gives the Dominion voting machine people, again, $1.6 billion. All right. And the Fox executives have been deposed and so is the Fox talent. If they lose that judgment, I don't, I don't know how they survive. That, that, that's how much money that is. Is $1.6 billion really significant to uh, uh, the Fox company? Yeah, because they're carrying all the other companies. Mm. So... Fox News, when I was there, and and they're still selling off my numbers, okay, all the other companies weren't making very much money, including Fox Broadcast, that's Channel 5. So the profit center that Fox News was carried everybody. And you'd see massive layoffs. If they lose that lawsuit Mm. against Dominion, It's going to be make CNN look like uh, IBM because uh, they're going to have to lay off so many people and change so much. Judge Weinberg, you're you're a judge, and yes, do you think that they have that kind of exposure on it? I mean, I, uh, the, the, the question between, is: There's a difference between liability and the measure of damages. Yeah, and the, and the argument is a good public policy argument is: if you shut down Fox News, where's the countervailing voices? to be heard on the other side of the, well, the, the by, debate. Well, by all intents and purposes, Fox News has been shut down. You know why? These lawsuits have shut down they have shown uh, effect. Newsmax, they've shut down Fox News, they've shut down the other people that got sued, and the reputation of these lawyers, I understand, and I, know I haven't verified, was that you start a lawsuit because you want to shut down the discussion. That's right, it's a chilling effect. It's a chilling effect uh, of litigation where, God forbid, you you talk about uh, machines. That's not what's going to be the decider. The decider is going to be, to go to trial and be a jury. 
All right. Well, besides that, be, shouldn't they? Shouldn't somebody uh, like we had uh, Professor Dershowitz on a couple of weeks ago, and he and I think he's defending somebody in this case because he felt that some of the machines, and I don't know whose machines, so I don't know what he went, which ones he was talking about, had algorithms in them. Mm. Now, well, that have to be demonstrated. Yeah, but to see, me, algorithms. Why do you need algorithms in a mm. voting machine? That all you need to do is you're counting one plus one plus one plus one. Also, there is a First Amendment issue, Bill. It's possible this would, uh, wouldn't even reach the jury if the judge says that it doesn't uh, that it violates the First Amendment because freedom but of press. But that's not going to happen. They already tried to get it thrown out on that. Yeah, as it, well, yeah, but they've laid out all the evidence. I'm saying once once the, uh, the plaintiffs close their case, it, it could happen. And also, what and about also in, what about intent I, too? I, I doubt it. I doubt it because what's the trend in America is. And this goes all the way up to the Supreme Court right. is let it be heard. Mm. Um, I doubt it would be thrown out. And that's what Fox News is, is defending itself. Is that we right. have the right to, for an opinion. This is an opinion. OK. And, and it was our opinion. We have a right to put it out there and you don't have a right to uh, stop us. It's almost like the Twitter stuff. I think go to the you Supreme know, Court. That, right that could hold up. Yeah, but, oh, the, but I you I always have to so. go. You have to separate out. There's an issue of liability. If there's liability, before then the we, measure of damages. Before we have a break, there's one more thing I want to uh, ask uh, Mr. O'Reilly. Uh, you were mad as heck of something about the Grand Central ta- uh, Tunnels uh, before we well, go. Yeah. Tell us about it. I mean, I feel so sorry for people that have to commute to that city. I, I really do on Long Island and Metro North and in, in Connecticut because it's impossible. I mean, it's impossible to get in. Um, and so they want to open up the Grand Central uh, Terminal to the Long Island Railroad, right? Yes. <laughs> it's the most expensive public works project in the history of this country. And, uh, and they can't open it. How much is it? I, what's the number on it now? It's in the billions. Oh, it's, um, it's way up in the billions, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's... It would be fantastic for the people on Long Island, for the community. But I remember my father getting up at 545 in the morning every day of his life going into the city. And actually, when he was doing it, you could get in there. But now I live 22 miles away from WABC Studios. Two hours Mm. would take me during the day to get in and maybe an hour 45 coming home. That's three hours and 45 minutes. On by car, I mean it's the same. Uh, I think Peter I King wrote. is in the same situation, aren't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I was actually involved, Bill. Uh, I, I, I uh, resurrected that East Side Access project back in 1999 with Bill Clinton. I think it was supposed to be completed by 2005. That was the outside date. I know. And now it's and what I 2022. You doing it. <laughs> I remember you doing it, and I remember everybody was so happy. And then, as always, when you get into the public. Uh, work situation, it the costs mount and mount and mount and mount, and there's no accountability. Right. And now they want to raise subway fares now again and bus fares. You're killing the workers. Well, look at look at the money you save taking the train into Grand Central. You don't have to pay congestion pricing, which they're going to really stick up our rear end. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, John. I don't think that congestion pricing is going to happen. You know why? Because it would destroy Harlem. It would destroy and a lot I, of things. Yeah, but Harlem is, is number one ground zero. 
because that's above the congestion pricing line. Yeah. And that's where all the cars would go. Yeah. Are, are, are you saying they don't they're not gonna allow black people below ninety six street? Six years. The congestion up in Harlem would triple. All right. Absolutely. And in the Bronx as well. Thank you so much, Bill O'Reilly. Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly every night, 9 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. I'll be listening at 9 o'clock tonight. Thank you, Bill O'Reilly. All right. And I appreciate you guys. And a good Christmas gift. You know, 12 days of Christmas, there are 12 killing books. Thank you so much. That's a perfect stocking stuffer there. In your house, you know, get the books. Thank you. (laughs) It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. In studio, Congressman King, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia. And on the line with us, we have Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, fantastic writer, Pulitzer Prize winning writer. And you've been very prolific and very... I guess this amazing truth teller when it comes to what's going on with Elon Musk. And just a short time ago, earlier today, actually, he tweeted out under pressure from hundreds of activist employees, Twitter deplatformed Trump as sitting U.S. president, even though they themselves acknowledged that he didn't violate the rules. Massive conspiracy with big tech to try to get after Trump. Uh, Michael Goodwin, this isn't surprising, but it's just crazy how this is all coming out. It is a remarkable event uh, when you think about it, that it took Elon Musk to buy Twitter for the public to know what was really going on at Twitter. I mean, you, you know, you, you think, I mean, Twitter is not that old. It's, you know, it's just kind of, it, it's a little bit of fun. There's, you know, animal pictures. People tell stories. They tell history, cultural events, um, and, of course, politics. And who knew the whole thing was just rotten to the core, that that the politics side of this was just such a fix that it, you know, it's like they didn't just put their thumb on the scale. They put their whole fist on the scale to disadvantage Republicans, conservatives, and advantage the left. And, you know, one of the things we, we talk about Trump and we're talking about things like the Post and Hunter Biden and all of that, and all of that is quite serious stuff. But I think there's probably another angle here that we're not not yet privy to. And that is when you look at candidates across the country in the last two election cycles, when the Twitter employees were giving 99 percent of their money to Democratic candidates, what do you think they were doing in governor's races, in, in congressional races, even in Senate races? Do you think those the Republican and conservative candidates got a fair shake on Twitter? It's impossible to believe well, that. Well, how about the four hundred million from Facebook? Well, that's right. The it's same the sort box. of thing. That was in twenty twenty, uh, four hundred and nineteen million, I think exactly, John, that Mark Zuckerberg gave mostly to cities to get out the Democratic vote. Uh, I mean, this is this is what this is what the technology companies have done, and and we cannot let the FBI off the hook either, even for a minute. I mean, they are sitting there and 
seemingly in some cases encouraging this stuff, uh, suggesting that, uh, you know, the Hunter Biden stuff is, is not kosher. It could be disinformation. We don't know how many other things the FBI did that on. They may have gone after individual candidates themselves. They may have been whispering in uh, the Twitter ears, oh, that candidate, no, no, no. You want to, what, what is that you call? Oh, yeah, do not amplify, right? Or a shadow ban. Yeah, whatever that means, you guys go ahead and do that. We don't know, but there's every reason to suspect that the FBI was not a benign observer. Uh, we know that on the Hunter Biden, so why would we believe it stopped there? I mean, this is a corrupted FBI. It's a partisan FBI. Uh, Christopher Ray should have been driven out of office long ago uh, because he has presided over this. Merrick Garland, there's no question that Twitter is a vehicle for the left. Michael, this uh, is Pete King. Facebook. You know, rather mm-hmm. than the Donald mm-hmm. Trump talking about voting machines and all, I wish he had focused on issues like this because you have a Twitter, Facebook, you have the entire intelligence community going back to Brennan and Clapper and Comey. And the mainstream uh, media outlets as well. Right, all working together. That, that should have been the issue. That, to me, is why you know, the election was corrupted, not by the old-fashioned way of people stealing votes or doing them in the middle of the night when no one was looking. This was a much they more sophisticated— They corrupted the public discourse. Right. They, they all conspired. The they, they, they suppressed the real stories. You had 51 Michael— it's Richard Weinberg. Had 51 intelligence officials, Clapper and Brennan, as, as the congressman just said, putting their legitimacy on the line so that Biden in the debate could say, look, it's, it's just been disproven. It's Russian disinformation. Right. And uh, I, I ran in my Sunday column a, a letter from a reader who I thought made an excellent point. I wish I'd thought of it myself, uh, which is, OK, so that's what they did then. Let's assume for a second that they they didn't see the laptop, but let's assume they believed that what they were signing, that, that this had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. Well, fast forward to where we are now, more than two years later, the, the laptop has, has been authenticated by the New York Times, the Washington Post, everybody. Nobody has found a single thing on the laptop that was placed there after Hunter Biden dropped it off. Now, where are those 51 people? If the laptop is authentic, why are they not concerned that Joe Biden is compromised? That was the whole point. It's not about Hunter Biden. It's about Joe Biden. And when they came to Joe Biden's rescue with their false uh, allegation that it looked like uh, Russian disinformation, now that they've been proven wrong, why aren't they out there saying, we're sorry, we're very concerned that Joe Biden is compromised because all the evidence is on the laptop? Where are they? They're deadly silent. They need to have a real investigation about those connections well, Kevin, between the money making yeah. of the Biden family and how it's influencing public policy and national security. It's a very important issue, maybe the most important issue of our time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, as I've said several times uh, in my columns and, and on the air, that Xi Jinping knows all about Joe Biden's relationships and how much money the Biden family got. Xi Jinping knows this, but the American people don't. Now, that's that scary. is the essence scary. of a compromise. compromise. That could go even to the, the heart of uh, <clears throat> how the COVID phenomena occurred. 
What did right. the, what did we know? The United States know in the inner workings. That's why in terms I, of and cause and effect. Why I just said to Bill O'Reilly on our previous interview that Christopher Ray is the FBI director, a ten-year term. He should have the courage to stand up. And, 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 and deal with honesty and integrity. And Michael Goodwin, it makes you wonder why did Fauci advocate for those lockdowns? Why was he so adamant that, oh, this, this did not come from a lab? It did, it did seem like he was pushing that Communist Party rhetoric straight from China. Well, look, you know, a lot of this has to do with whatever Trump said, they were all almost like sworn to take the other side. So when Trump talks about China, and the way he says it, China, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody runs to the other side without even thinking. And the lab leak theory, look, we don't know for certain people feel strongly about this. But the idea that it had to be ruled out, that it couldn't possibly be true, that it was taken off of Twitter. The New York Post, again, had a column by a man named Stephen Mosher, who was an early proponent of the lab leak theory. His he was his stuff was taken off of social media because of, of what he wrote about that. So, you know, even when things aren't clear, what the left has tried to do is say they are certain. This is certain. We know science says it didn't come from a lab. But then when Fauci backtracks and says, well, maybe it did. We don't know for sure. It's too late. I mean, you cannot have these debates, these critical debates, just cut off at the kneecap because they favor or disfavor a political party. Twitter is a wonderful thing when it's used properly. You, it really can be a kind of town square. But the way they did it with their creation of all these terms, these words that, like 1984, they don't mean what they sound like they mean. They are all ways of shutting up people They the, the Twitter employees didn't agree with. And as I say, they gave 99% of their contributions to Democrats. And 400 so million from Facebook. the arbiters? Yep. Why do, yeah, exactly. That, I think this goes much deeper than politics. It goes, it's just... goes to the heart of the survival of this country. It really undermines the democratic process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time. Michael Goodwin, thank you for speaking out for our country. And I'm really concerned. Peter King, I think you're concerned. We're all concerned. I am. And thank God we have people like Michael Goodwin. He's been a voice of reason for so long. Keep it going, Michael. But you know what we've got, thank John? We've got the truth. We've got the truth out there. Thank you so much, and we'll catch up again real soon. My pleasure. Thank you all. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Now, before we get to our In next guest, words, Congressman King, we wanted to celebrate some birthdays today. No, actually, John wants to celebrate oh, Ed Codger. Me too. Ed well, today, a great uh, one friend. of our good friends, I, we loved him. He was a great mayor for the city of New York. Today is Ed Koch's birthday. I wonder how old he would have been. He was 80, um, I guess almost 100. Me and you were at uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg's home when he celebrated his 80th, 80th birthday. birthday. That was back in 2004, I think. I oh, that's a zillion years ago. Yeah, that's how he'd be almost 100. But he, Couch was a great guy. He was a great friend. Also, Frank Sinatra's birthday today. Right. And we had a big celebration. Got a big party. Couch would be 98. I got okay. that from the control booth. And uh, Frank Sinatra's birthday today, he would have been, I think, 107 maybe. Wow. 
And um, on a sad note, on a sad note, if I can say, a good Bob, friend of mine, Bob Barker. Bob Barker. He's ninety nine today. Ninety nine. Ninety nine today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He didn't go over hundred. There you go. Strong. But that was, means but Ed Koch and uh, uh, they should have been following Bob Barker's diet. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on a sad note, if I could just say, this is the third anniversary of Danny Aiello's death. Danny was a good friend of mine, a great, great actor, one of the nicest guys I ever the chance to. He was a lovely, a lovely, lovely person. Great man. Uh, Danny Aiello's a lovely person. I had lunch with him one time in, uh, in Las Vegas, and he was really a great person. He used to, uh, I used to go to his concerts. He used to always sing Bells of St. Mary for my wife. No, he was great. He was just Aww. a great guy. I never met a really a nicer guy in my life than Danny Aiello. Sadly, I have to shift gears because now we got to talk about a very serious issue going on at the border. We are going to be speaking with a retired Drug Enforcement Agency special agent in charge, Derek Maltz. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Thank you very much for having me back. I appreciate it. So we have to talk about fentanyl. We now know it is the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18 to 49. It's just spiraling out of control in almost every city throughout the country. We're seeing all these caravans coming across the border and the Biden administration doing nothing about it. So let me give you a couple of things to think about. The DEA just issued another warning and they've determined that six out of 10 pills that they have analyzed in their labs, uh, millions of pills, that six out of 10 have a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. But what's really disturbing is if you look at the volume of fentanyl coming into the country, like just recently in Mexico, they did see 600 pounds of fentanyl-laced pills. They say it was over 3 million pills. But in the month of November alone, just down there in like an eight-day period, our Border Patrol seized about 5 million of these fake pills. So just do the math. If you time 60 percent of five million, that's how many potential people could have died. Look at the stats now from L.A. County just released uh, stats, 1,280 percent increase in fentanyl related deaths in a five year period, 2016 to 2021. San Diego was twenty three hundred and seventy five percent. The state of California, twenty two hundred percent. So, yes, the fentanyl is off the charts. But what's really scary, honestly, is the fact that if you look at what's being seized and then you look at what is actually getting in that we don't know, just like the gotaways that are getting into this country, over the million that we know since Joe Biden took office, but those people are here in our country. And let's never forget that it only took 19 hijackers to take down our economy and destroy our way of life and also kill so many innocent Americans. So it doesn't take a lot, and we have millions now in the country uh, we have no idea who they are. Agent Moss, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Would you clarify for our listeners when you say pills, what kind of pills are you talking about? Thank you for that clarification, Judge. So we're talking about fake pills that are made in labs in Mexico that appear to be like oxycodone, Percocet, Adderall, Xanax. So they appear to be legitimate prescription pills because they make them with perfection as far as the appearance. But in reality, they're all fake and they're deadly. They're killing at historic levels. And this is not a normal situation that we've ever seen with drugs. This is a poisoning of our country. And unfortunately, no one's really, you know, ringing. So how does does a person protect himself or herself against getting one of these pills when you think you're getting a prescription drug? Don't buy it off the streets. How do you? Exactly. Couldn't have said it any better. You can't take a pill that you get from a friend. You can't take a pill unless it was prescribed to you and you purchased it from a CVS or Walgreens or 
another pharmacy, and you went to the Restitis. doctor to get the prescription. Oh, you guys have a pharmacy there, too. Uh, right. Well, this is, yeah, this is Pete King. I have just a quick question, which I haven't been able to figure out. What sense does it make for drug dealers to be killing their customers? And to me, the only answer to this is China is doing this intentionally. Right. Congressman, you, can't, you couldn't have said it better. So let's talk about what Mike McCall recently said. The greatest foreign policy for China is selling fentanyl to America. It's under the radar. They use the cartels as the proxy to destroy our population. But the answer to your question is the cartels don't want to really kill the customer. They want to maximize profits because fentanyl is so cheap to make, because it's so addictive, because it's not plant based. You can make it in the lab. They're taking advantage of the unbelievable demand around America for opioids. So it's a business decision. They don't care if they kill 107,000 or 200,000 Americans. They just care about their multi-billion dollar enterprise. And remember, because of the current situation with the border, they are making probably just as much money. I'm not sure about this because I don't do I don't get into the details of this. But with the migrant smuggling, some of my buddies, former Homeland Security officials have Mm -hmm. determined that the migrant smuggling is even more profitable than the drugs. I don't know if that's true. But I know it's disturbing because business is booming. And let's never forget that the Chinese now, even in Chinatown in New York, they're picking up millions of dollars from drug cartels in America, laundering the money back to the cartels. And they're buying property all over America. Another national security threat that's under the radar that the public doesn't hear about. This is scary stuff. John, what do you, America's under well, attack. America's Absolutely. under attack. I mean, and counterfeit goods, too, are a source the of illicit of income as well. Counterfeit goods are a big problem, too. And yes. the, the, the Secret Service will not talk about it, but the amount of counterfeit cash coming in, and it's wildly, it's being manufactured by no, What makes it even more dangerous is you don't see this. Like, you see a bomb yeah. go off, you see people getting shot. You don't see this and realize what, the China's the, behind it. What's the art of war? Sun Tzu. Right. The future right. enemy, the future enemy, and they don't even know you're right. being defeated. And who are the people right. ages 18 to 49? Those are the people that would fight in the military. So it's not a coincidence that those are the people that are being poisoned by the fentanyl. Right. And another thing to keep in mind, we are seeing a much younger population as young as 12 years old that are now dying in their bedrooms because here's what, because the bad guys are taking advantage of social media and the smartphones that the kids are using in private in their bedrooms. And the parents are not really educated on what they could be doing. And then the drug dealers delivering one pill that's fake to the house, just like they deliver pizza to make money. And the kids found dead in the morning. This is a very new trend that's been going on the last year or two with the much younger population using these social media sites to to buy these these poisonous substances. So that's another really, really important fact for the listeners. Well, thank you so much, uh, former uh, DEA special agent in charge, Derek Maltz, as always, for giving us the passion, giving us the truth. And we're going to try to save America here. Thank you so much, sir. Have a great night. Keep up the great work. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. No, Will Robinson. Danger. Well, guess what? <laughs> our, our next interview, we, me and Lydia interviewed uh, Assemblywoman uh, Seawright mm-hmm. uh, about Rebecca an hour Seawright. ago because she couldn't do it live at uh, 5 o'clock hour. And all these 5G towers... Mm-hmm. Uh, they're being forced into our city. 
And some of them are going to be as close as uh, 10 feet or 100 feet away from your bedroom window. Yep. And please pay attention to the interview. At one point, there's a a study. We talk about, yeah, she brings up a study. A bipartisan study in New Hampshire Mm -hmm. by Democrats and Republicans. And they say that these towers should never, never be closer to you than 1,640 feet. Correct. Which is almost five city blocks. Let's listen to uh, Assemblywoman Rebecca Seawright talk about it. Joining us now is Assembly Member Rebecca Seawright, Chair of the Majority Steering Committee in the New York State Assembly. And like so many people on the Upper East Side, she is outraged by these 5G towers that are being put up all over the city and up there on the East Side. Welcome to Cats at Night. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to join you this afternoon. Happy holidays to you and John and all your listeners. I'll be, I'm going to be, Rebecca, I'm going to be Assemblywoman C. Wright. See, I know you personally, but I'm going to call you Assemblywoman C. C. Wright on, on radio. Uh, I'm going to be lighting the menorah. I think uh, it's next week, March, uh, December 19th or 20th. I'll let you know. Oh, please do. Yes. I'd love to attend. So, Assemblywoman, tell us about these Upper East Side towers. I mean, these are 32-foot 5G cell towers, and they're just popping up, and it seems like there's been no input at all from the people who live there, people who work there. Tell us what's going on. Yes. Well, well, thank you. We were shocked to see the rollout of up to 18 additional link NYC 5G towers. Last week at Community Board 8, we heard from City Bridge, the franchisee for the city, to deploy these monstrous 32-foot towers on the Upper East Side in Carnegie Hill and near Rockefeller University and New York Presbyterian Hospital in the East 60s. We also saw turnout of several hundred constituents who joined uh, the meeting at Community Board 8 to go over questions and express their outrage and concern. Our office sent a letter to Mayor Adams to ask for a moratorium on the Lynx 5G NYC installation on the Upper East Side. The New York City Office of Technology and Innovation oversees these initiatives. Our office has been contacted by several constituents who are outraged when they woke up one morning to find the 5G equipment on a light pole within arm's reach of their window outside their young baby's nursery. That was at Gracie Gardens at 90th Street and York Avenue. OTI with the city did not respond to our office's request for information concerning the health and safety of our constituents. And it's not too late. We're still waiting on their response. OTI is also responsible for the planning of the Link 5G NYC towers. The community board, Local 8, followed our lead and advice and is asking in their resolution for an immediate moratorium, a resolution that was passed unanimously at the community board transportation committee uh, to disapprove of the proposed uh, presentation from City Bridge and ask for a moratorium on the planning and construction. I am calling today on the mayor's office of New York City to take this issue seriously. Place a moratorium on any further 5G expansion. We cannot let the interests of corporate giants take over our streets. We must be critical of the health and safety impacts of exposure to radio frequency 
radiation. I and understand. I, I understand, and this uh, Assemblywoman Seawright, I understand they exempted certain streets because uh, maybe certain people live between uh, the se- in the 70s. So even though they're doing the 60s, the 70s were exempted. So does that mean uh, that uh, certain people have uh, knocked it out already in those areas? I understand that they have a site in the 70s and York Avenue where it's going I'm up. I'm talking about the 70s and Madison Avenue. 70s and Madison Avenue. Um, I have not heard that. But what I do know is that the city has not shown any transparency. And what we need is an immediate hearing uh, calling on the city government to have 100 percent transparency and to explain to us how they chose the 18 sites on the Upper East Side. Currently, there's 1,184 Link NYC kiosks uh, across Manhattan. Uh, and up to 4,000 across the city. So we want complete transparency. How did they choose these sites? And uh, also to examine and explain uh, where the sites are going. Right now, they're supposed to be within 10 feet. The state of New Hampshire uh, instituted a commission that that, uh, in their final report demanded that it has to be 1,640 feet from the household. So 10 wow. feet is 1,640. That's a well, big... Because of the concerns of radiation. You remember when me and you were growing up, I'm, and I'm much older than you, uh, If you the, the old Alpine antenna. If you lived underneath or near the Alpine antenna, it's not if you're going to get cancer, it's when you're going to get cancer. Right, right. So, you know, with this commission that was uh, a bipartisan legislation that created it in the state of New Hampshire, and it was recently signed by the governor, the 13 commission members had backgrounds that included physics, toxicology, electromagnetics, epidemiology, biostatistics, occupational health, and so on. And the commission and what's the met- minimum? What was the minimum in uh, there? New Hampshire. New Hampshire? This was New Hampshire's commission yeah. that... Uh, but what was the minimum feet that they said for you to place a tower? It was over 1,200 feet? It was 1,640 oh, feet. Wow. 1,640, that's about 40, four city blocks. Wow. And meanwhile, so let them, put in, put, let them put it in the middle of Central Park. And then meanwhile, you're talking about a tower, a 30-foot high 5G cell phone tower outside of a uh, baby's 100 window. 100 feet away baby's window. Horrible. As a mother myself, I would be horrified. And these are part of 2,000 link 5G street towers that are going up all over the city. And everybody's saying it from Brooklyn to the Bronx that they just popped up out of nowhere. And why is the city putting up these towers? They said to expand the 5G network. But I imagine that the cell service up in Upper East Side is probably good as it is, no? It is. And uh, the city is... Um, cashing in, and not only do they want to expand the connectivity, they're uh, making huge sums of revenue in advertisement. Um, the franchisee actually uh, owes the city right now millions of dollars. Um, they uh, say there's a, a backlog. Who, who, who are the principals in, the, uh, in uh, that company? Um, right now, the franchisee is City Bridge. Uh, they are the ones that the city has has contacted uh, contracted with. 
Um, well, uh, Lydia, yeah. then we should do a study and see who are the principals and how much they made in political donations. Mm. <laughs> follow the money trail. I follow the money. Uh, Assemblywoman Seawright, we're out of time for tonight, but we'd like to have you on again in the near future. I think she also wanted to talk about Oh, it. tell us about it. So um, you also, Assemblywoman Seawright, C- you also wanted to talk about the hate crimes bill. It was recently signed into law by the governor. Tell us about it. Uh, we have about a minute left. Yes, thank you. So I had two hate crime bills. One of them was just signed in November recently by Governor Hochul. I want to thank her for signing this piece of legislation. Uh, it mandates uh, counseling and training as part of the sentencing requirement in relation to a hate crime. We've seen hate crimes increase with 43.5% of the total incidents reported being against race, ethnicity, national origin. Those are the most common. Our office was the victim of a hate crime. And so we felt it was very important with the rise in hate crimes to sponsor this legislation. We again appreciate the governor signing it. We have a second bill we'll be introducing in a couple of weeks. Um, This bill changes the rebuttable presumption uh, that is committed with a hate crime. And we're looking forward to uh, pushing this second bill this, this upcoming legislative session. Well, thank you so much, Assemblywoman Rebecca Seawright, for all that you do on the Upper East Side and all throughout New York City. And keep us posted about these 5G towers, please. I sure will. Thank you again for your interest in having me on today. And, and again, happy holidays. Happy holiday. I hope you're there when I'm lighting the menorah. We'll see you soon. Terrific. Thank you. Well, that was a great interview. Now on the line for us, Dr. Peter Mikolos. Dr. Mikolos, your reaction to that interview real quick. Well, my reaction is that we have to look at what 180 scientists from 36 countries wrote a letter to the EU and uh, warned about the potential dangers of 5G and the high frequency that comes out of it. We really don't know exactly what it's going to do long term, just like in 1903 when UVC came out to kill skin infections, UVC light, then they found out it caused skin cancer, melanoma, squamous cell, and basal cell, just like when... Uh, x-rays came out. They used to use it for acne in the, in the, in the 1930s and 40s. And then they found out it caused, you know, thyroid cancer and other cancers and epigenetic changes. So sometimes our technology is a little ahead of what our body can handle. So there are uh, concerns. And one of the people leading the uh, battle against this is actually in Sweden, a cancer professor of oncology at Arebro University in Sweden, Dr. Hardell. And he's the one who put together this team of scientists and is asking the EU to please, before you roll out uh, 5G next to you know people's uh, bedrooms or your children's uh, bedrooms or even <clears throat> hospitals near where babies are, to do a little bit more research. So uh, that's my reaction is there's still a lot we don't know, in my opinion, and we need to uh, have more data. And just as a society, we've made the mistake over and over of jumping ahead too fast with various technologies until we find out that they're uh, not good for us. That's why we have an FDA, for example, with drugs like certain medicines that we eventually find out can cause harm. So, Dr. Mikolo, switching gears, there's a report out that the flu and RSV, which is that virus that affects primarily young children, it's formed a new virus. Can you tell us about this and should we be worried uh, yeah, well, what happens is that uh, we now know a lot more about uh, flu and RSV, and a recent study came out 
that showed that flu and RSV viruses can actually fuse into a hybrid viruses, and that's called recombination antigenic effect. And recombination is basically that we now know that these viruses actually can talk to each other. And the study came out of the University of Glasgow in the Nature Microbiology. And there's three types of flu viruses, A, B, and C. But the influenza A is the one that can actually infect all types of animals. So if you remember back in 2003, we had that H1B1 that jumped from a bird to humans. But, but that's the problem with these flu attacks, the uh, windpipe and the throat and the nose, RSV attacks the throat and the lungs. So the problem is when these two fuse together, then you're not only getting the throat, the nose, but you're getting into the lungs and it might have the potential to do more harm. The problem is with all these lockdowns that our immune systems have sort of been hibernating because they haven't been exposed to anything, especially with teenagers, the young kids not going to school. And that's why now that the kids are out again and we're out of lockdowns, we're seeing an explosive recurrence in the urgent care centers of flu and RSV uh, running around. But uh, think positive, test negative. If you test positive for flu, take Tanner's flu and go buy it at the CD's pharmacy. And uh, Dr. Mihalos, what do we all uh, do on this show? We, we, we speak for truth, truth, justice, justice and the American, American way. way. American God bless way. America. Thank you, Dr. Mihalos, for everything you do, too. Thank you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.